the fire. That's what fear can do. If we are incapacitated by fear, we're frozen, we can be persuaded that someone else can do for us what God intended that we do for ourselves. I mean, it seems that, you know, with COVID, many people are looking for a magic bullet, you know, that's going to assuage their fears. Yeah, and worse, they're looking for politicians to come up with those magic bullets. Don't even get me going about how they don't even follow their own mandates. You know, your, your point on all this is well taken. It's about fear. The real issue from day one of COVID is But again, I I ask a simple question. I mean, who would ever think that they can care more about us than we can care about ourselves? Welcome to Through the Fire, cutting through the passions, clearing the smoke of the cultural confusions of the world today, talking God's love and God's solutions from a biblical Christian worldview. And now, here's your host, Marie and Gregory Seltz. The doctors are in. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to Through the Fire, where we try to cut through the chaos of the culture today with a sanctified common sense that comes from God's Word. And issues around COVID-19 qualify. They do. Look, it's been almost two years, and we're still being divided as a country over this topic. I mean, the latest is the fears of, that are being generated around the next COVID wave and the labeling of those who refuse the vaccines, anti-vaxxer enemies of the state. Absolutely. I mean, the tough questions are, you know, I think, how can anyone distinguish fact from propaganda? And when does the government ever have the right to demand that you put something in your body that you don't want to? You know, when indeed, Marie, because this issue hit me over the head this last few months. Well, actually, right between the eyes, Mm -hmm. because something's not right when Navy SEALs, Marines and nurses are refusing the vaccines. And instead of saying, well, that's their right, you know, they know what's best for their bodies. We're firing them. We're dishonorably discharging them and we're falsely maligning them. And and let's be clear with our listeners. We're not anti-vaxxers. I mean, we both had the vaccines. Um. But we are anti-mandators of the vaccine. I mean, does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we both have taken both shots. I mean, we did our research about it. We followed the debate about COVID-19 from the beginning. You know, the shutdowns, the opening up of the country, immunity, risk, the I can't even say that right now. The the virulence. (laughs) Yes. I can't say it. I can't. The at risk and the not at risk, you know, sections of the population and the risk rewards, you know, of the vaccine. And we've both received it. But that's not the issue here, is it? No, it isn't. I mean, this past week, for instance, I received a phone call from the wife of a Marine Mm -hmm. who was asking for a letter for her husband because he was going to ask for a religious exemption to the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And, And I told her that that while our church did not have an official perspective on that, her husband has a constitutional conscience right in America to say no to taking that shot or not taking that shot. Yeah, that's what the First Amendment is about, right? I mean, speech rights and conscience rights. Um, If the government can force a person to put something in their bodies against their will, they can do virtually anything. I mean, when you look at the people who are resisting at the moment, you know, right now we see the Navy SEALs, Marines, nurses. I mean, many of these people are saying that 
they already have immunity because they've had the disease, they've had the virus. So mm -hmm. they already are more protected than those who merely had the vaccine. And, you know, for whatever reason, they would rather not have the shot because of its potential side effects. I mean, again, we've both had the vaccine, so we're not arguing that you should never have it. But I myself have had complications from the shot, and I right. have not felt myself since I've received it. I mean, I have shortness of breath. I was hospitalized with some, you know, heart problems that I never would have had before, never did have, and, and I haven't fully recovered from that. So, you know, the research is, we're not medical doctors, but you have to do your own research and make your own decisions, right? And there are some complications from these kinds of things. I mean, there are some people who are saying, well, now I'm pregnant now, I, and I've already had the, the disease. I don't want to introduce that into my body because mm -hmm. they don't know exactly how it reacts to all of the different aspects of a person's situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there, there's lots of complications out there. I've had the shot. Thankfully, I haven't had any side effects. But it, this is what, what galls me. Our country is being made to be afraid all over again. Now, think about it. it it's a time when most people are vaccinated. We have a, a lot of people have a natural immunity now at a time when we know that the virus isn't as virulent as we once thought it was. And we're being made to be afraid again in ways that are way worse than when this all first started. And, and it's amazing to me how terrified people are becoming again. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just telling you this the other day, I, I travel a lot mm -hmm. and I've been traveling all throughout this pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, early on, the flights were, were tense. People were afraid. They were concerned. But we were told that the air in the plane was scrubbed vigorously by the circulation system. We were told the cleaning and the social distancing you know, of the aircraft were sufficient precautions for safe flights. And, and those of us who had to fly, well, you know, we made a decision whether to fly or not. Mm -hmm. Well, that was then. Mm -hmm. Listen to what happened now with all the data that demonstrates that we're not as at risk today. You know, we're definitely not at risk from dying or even going to the hospital mm -hmm. for this disease. At least most of us aren't. Now with the most of us being vaccinated or self-immune now with all that. I was on a plane the other day drinking my Diet Coke with snacks. And I know you're probably saying, why are we drinking a Diet <laughs> Coke? Can't you drink something better than that? But you're right. nonetheless... I needed my Diet Coke and snacks, and I, I was drinking. I turned away from my fellow passenger, you know, to eat, and my mask was dangling from my ear. And suddenly, I received this firm nudge. You know, uh, the the woman next to me in the seat next to me, she was really offended mm -hmm. that I had left my mask off my mouth for so long, for a few extra seconds, and she demanded. Mm -hmm. that I put my mask on between each and every bite. Mm -hmm. And I thought, when in the world, you know, I, I can't make a scene out of this because it can, you know, that would go crazy. But when did we get so irrationally fearful? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And to me, that that's the issue, I think. It, it is. It, it, that is the issue here. I mean, fear. And, and it is fear. There's real fear there. And, and who or what gets to resolve that fear? I mean, right. I think that many people believe that the best answer to dealing with things like COVID is to give a few people the authority to make decisions for everybody, for all of us. And right. that's the worst way to do it. It, it, really, it really is. There's no one uh, person or even a team of experts who can fully decide issues for 330 million people. And no. And, and our freedoms mean that when it comes to conscience decisions, decisions that affect, you know, our livelihoods, our bodies, our hearts, the government has no authority there. I mean, they can inform us, issue guidances um, and things like that, but those decisions are left up or should be left up to us. I mean, that's the way a free, healthy society works. 
Well, you would think so. And again, frankly, I'm amazed at how quickly people are acquiescing mm-hmm. to these government mandates because of all the, the confusing information that's come out about this. I mean, there was a time when they, we were told, don't wear a mask. It's ridiculous. Now we're told we've got to have one on, you know, even when we're in our house by ourselves. Uh, I'm amazed you have to have how two quickly, on at that point, then. two masks. Yes. I mean, they're even having these kids where while they're racing, you know, on a quarter so mile sad. or they're playing tennis, they, they can't barely breathe. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But um, I'm amazed that at how quickly too, you know, citizens are willing to shame, mm-hmm. name call or even demand action against their fellow citizens just because someone says, follow the science. It doesn't mean they know the science. You know, when I got involved in the religious liberty issues surrounding COVID, I read anything and everything I could get my hands on. And eventually I read the findings of several epidemiologists who signed a document called the Great Barrington Document. Right, right, right. But And before we start talking more about that, I want to say why you sound a little different, because you're in D.C. right now, and I'm here at the Family Vision Media Studios. So anyway, back but to I, the- I miss being there with you. Oh, no doubt. I know. I'm so missable, aren't I? <laughs> I'm just so kind and loving. <laughs> so, okay, back to your to, to what you were referring to, um, the great yeah, uh, right. Barrington document. I remember you talking about that. And, you know, these were epidemiologists from Harvard. Harvard, uh, from Stanford, and all around the world who took a different view of how to deal with COVID, uh, one that balanced the science, right? It balanced the science or tried to and balanced the fears involved with people's real vulnerabilities. Exactly. And that's why I like their approach after reading all kinds of stuff. I, mm-hmm. They understood the data. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, these are epidemiologists. These are these are significant people in our culture, mm-hmm. uh, in our some of our major universities. Mm-hmm. And they also understood that when you're dealing with a virus, there are no absolutes. And they laid out, I thought was a sane plan of how to deal with the mortality issues and the daily issues of fear. Now, now listen to what they wrote back in April of 2020. They said this. As immunity builds in the population, the risk to infection for all, including the vulnerable, falls. And we know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity. And then they said, so the most compassionate approach that balances the risks and the benefits of reaching herd immunity is to allow those who are at minimal risk of death to live their lives normally to build up immunity to the virus through natural infection, while better protecting those who are at the highest risk. And they call that focused protection. And they had no problem with, you know, adding a vaccine into the midst of all that. But again, even there, a vaccine is not as good as having gone through the the disease and having natural immunity. Mm -hmm. Then they said this. They said adopting these measures to protect the vulnerable should be the central aim of the public health responses to COVID. So nursing homes should have, you know, should use staff with acquired immunity, perform tests and all those kind of things. And so we should worry about those who are most vulnerable. But then listen to what they said. But those who are not vulnerable should immediately be allowed to resume life as normal. Mm-hmm. Now was back in the middle of this pandemic. Look at how crazy things are now, even with more immunity and with vaccines and everything. So th- there's there's fear today that we should th- this level of fear should not be there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fear is a very powerful motivator. It really, it really is. And well, know, it's a powerful motivator, but it's also a powerful emotion manipulator. Old people, yeah, manipulate. It, it I is. like that. Manipulate. No, it really is. And it, so back to what you were saying about the Barrington document and, and its information and content. I mean, we don't hear voices like that much, you know, on our TVs. We hear no. this absolutism, right, about vaccines and masks, with no discussion about the destructive results of being too afraid of 
COVID-19, because there, there are some very destructive results that have happened. Some things yeah. were, were planned and some things were unforeseen. I mean, these doctors uh, you know, involved in this document uh, were very concerned about the negative ramifications of lockdowns and of masking children when they didn't need it. I mean, of the psychological issues of overstating the problems associated with COVID-19. I mean, I see this happening in my practice, in my study. I see the psychological and the physical damage that um, unfettered obedience to these mandates can cause. You know, Lots of therapists right now are, are are very much concerned about the things we do not know and we will not see for years that are affecting our children on so many levels, developmentally, socially, right. emotionally. I mean, some people label it abuse. And I will say, I think the shaming that has come along with it in the schools uh, is abusive to the children. The fear that has been instilled in these children is abusive to them. So I have to agree with that, you know. Um, it's a very big concern. Well, and that's like what you're talking about concerns me the most, too, because, you know, again, when people say trust the science, you know, science doesn't there comes a point where science's whole goal is is to to constantly question, to constantly look for better answers and things like that. And, and especially in this pandemic, we don't have absolute knowledge even at this point. And so we're all going to have to make decisions about how we want to go about living our lives. Mm -hmm. And and all throughout this pandemic, we were told that we didn't have the authority mm -hmm. uh, to deal with this challenge. And I'm saying, no, 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 we're the best authorities of how to actually live our lives uh, for the sake of those we love and for the sake of our neighbors. So we were told that governors or health officials, that they somehow were more concerned about us than we were for ourselves and, and for those we love. And I think that is a dangerous precedent uh, mm -hmm. to set because COVID wasn't that scary uh, to give away that kind of authority to people who ho shouldn't have it. I, I don't think they should ever have it, but they often don't deserve it. And, you know, it, it actually you know where this really hit me. It's when you you were asking me, let's watch this movie. You wanted to watch the movie, The, the Changeling, the other day. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, we watched two of them that night. We That's watched right. a scary one. Well, they were both kind of scary, <laughs> but one was more a little bit horror, right? Uh, right. Without, yeah, and it was an old one with George C. Scott. Right. And then we saw another one uh, with Angelina Jolie. Mm -hmm. But so you were saying that it got to you during, during what specifically? Yeah, well, you know, and by the way, uh, for those of you, I'm not a big scary movie buff. Um, <laughs> you know, my wife actually, she had to persuade me, but she is quite persuasive. I, I want you to know that. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> so I'm good at what I do. Okay, go yeah, ahead. <laughs> so thank you. I felt so much better. You well, did. Actually, you we actually did, did so, say thank you. You actually were glad we watched them. Well, actually, well, they were good movies, especially mm -hmm. the, the George C. Scott. Well, actually, the Angelina no, Jolie movie. Yeah, both were good. They, they were different, though. Very different. Okay, so we watched them, and, and we watched the George C. Scott one first, and that was a little bit more, you know, horror kind of story. Scary. But then we saw this period piece with Angelina Jolie, so we thought it might have been a remake. And it wasn't. But it wasn't. Mm -hmm. um, it was radical. It was a different movie. Completely so the word different storyline. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the word changeling is that that something gets substituted or something right. comes in that's different. Yes. So in the, in the movie with, with Jolie, um, her son is abducted by a serial killer and a corrupt police force in Los Angeles is under pressure to find the, you know, to return the boy. And so they find this kid mm -hmm. who doesn't even really look like her child, but they At say, all. here he is. We found him. And when she won't now listen to this, see, this is what got me about thinking about this, this uh, topic. Mm -hmm. When she won't accept the boy, they declare her mentally ill. They put her in a psych ward. And in one scene, they try to start force feeding her drugs that will induce a stupor 
that will, you know, prove her mentally ill and, and, and of course, accomplish whatever they want to do with her. Right. And, and I remember this phrase, the doctor looks at her and says, well, are you well now? And she says, yes. He said, then sign this document, which affirms that the boy is her son. And she said, but he's not. Mm -hmm. And then the guy goes, well, it seems to me you're still sick. And they try to force feed her these pills. Well, it made me think of what the government can do and why they should never be allowed to usurp our rights of conscience. Yeah. So that movie really scared you even more than the George C. Scott one did. <laughs> yeah, it did. It <laughs> yes. reminded me about the what fear, coercion, misinformation can do when someone wants to politicize your obedience or your disobedience. And and again, remember, we're talking about this, this whole thing and both of us are vaccinated, but we are fighting to ensure that you have the freedom to make those kind of decisions. Mm -hmm decisions for yourself mm -hmm. and for your family. Mm -hmm. And that's what you do in Washington, D.C. every day, isn't it? It is. And that's what you're it doing is. now. And so before moving on, why don't you say a bit more about your work in D.C. and how people can well, reach you? Well, thanks again. You know, you know, the LCRL folks is a religious liberty sanctity of life organization, and we teach people how to defend their, their religious liberty, how to share it, how to voice it, how to live it. And it's always all in service. I mean, we know that, you know, like we often say, good government cannot save us, but bad government can destroy us. Mm -hmm. Everything's always in service to sharing the grace of God and Jesus Christ more boldly. So if you want to know more about what we do, lcrlfreedom.org. That's lcrlfreedom.org. And our new radio program, the Liberty Alert, I, that is also now being uh, hosted on Family Vision Media's website, too. So you can listen in there as well. Very good. Okay, so vaccines, mandates, and government coercion, but there's something deeper going on. I just realized uh, or remembered that I saw an article recently by uh, Ben Shapiro called The End of Risk and the End of Civilization. And it had a lot to say about what we're, we're talking about today. Well, you know, that title, you yeah. know, it makes the me think when he says the end of civilization. Yeah. Right. It's okay, scary. So this is serious. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so I so I thought it, I said, you know, I thought we were just talking about religious liberty and conscience. Right. So, OK, what did he say about all? this? Well, he talks about prospect theory, and that's a theory developed by two behavioral psychologists in 1979. And this theory posits that because human beings are risk averse, we you know, that means that we really don't like losses in our life. Right. Um, right. So that makes us susceptible to what's called planning fallacy, which overstates our ability to plan things in such a way as to avoid all risk. Or, you know, maybe we just don't take action at all. But anyway, Shapiro argues that we are presently in a situation in America where we are being told that certain leaders with science, with lots of money and with the correct policies can virtually, you know, eliminate all risk for us. I mean, he argues that we are so addicted to risk aversion that we are willing to give up all of our freedoms to those who promise that they will eliminate risks of living life. Well, can you imagine that? I mean, you know, <laughs> as if there are no risks to living life fully. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think he's onto something there. I mean, more and more people believe that the best way to face the challenges of life is to elect someone who will make all the big decisions for us. Mm -hmm. And and I hear this all the time in D.C. I mean, I hear politicians demanding universal health care, universal housing, universal basic wages. It sounds like they want to develop a universal life for us. And, and of course, they're always the ones in charge of it all, paid for by us. Mm -hmm. I mean, but again, I, I ask a simple question. I mean, who would ever think that they can care more about us than we can care about ourselves? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's crazy to me. But that's what fear can do. I mean, 
if we are, you know, incapacitated by fear, we're frozen, you know, we can be persuaded that someone else can do for us what God intended that we do for ourselves. I mean, there's emotional, uh, psychological ills that are associated, you know, with living or not living, I would say, a fearful way of life. Yeah, I mean, you're incapacitated, you know, by your own unwillingness to to take a risk. And all of life has risks. Right, right. It's disempowering. And so, I mean, then you're just you know, there's, there's nothing, there's just nothing. So, so all of these mask mandates, vaccine mandates, control stuff. I mean, for me, it's about a greater issue. I mean, okay. fear or the fears associated with living life. Every day, there are real fears to be faced every single day. I mean, driving to right. work has a level of fear. Getting home and looking at you has a level of fear. <laughs> so, wait, wait a minute. Now, come on. Now. You know, the, the, even even if I'm all the way here in D.C., those things hurt. You know, I'm teasing. <laughs> but seriously, you know, making decisions about, you know, many basic things in life, I mean, always right. has had a level of fear or uncertainty. There is uncertainty. That's just what life is about. I mean, we're not robots. We're not. So um, if you don't have a healthy way to deal with things every day, I mean, it can be a real problem. I mean, it seems that, you know, with COVID, many people are looking for a magic bullet, you know, that's going to assuage their fears. Don't you think? Yeah. And I think, and, and worse, and, and I mean this, and worse, they're looking for politicians mm -hmm. to come up with those magic bullets. Um don't even get me going about how they don't even follow their own mandates. You know, your, your point on all this is well taken. It's about fear. The real issue from day one of COVID is about our fear of mortality. And, and whether we like it or not, the world is a broken place. There are fears of mm -hmm. illness. There's violence, fears of tyranny, fears of the unknown, and, and fears that we won't be able to deal with whatever comes in our life. And that's mm -hmm. why from day one, it was the Bible's wisdom. That was most important for yeah. those of us who put our trust in Christ. I mean, mm -hmm. that's the thing that helps us face the reality of this life, no matter what it's like today, amidst our fears. I love what, you know, Jesus says it this way. Don't fear the one who can kill the body. Fear the one who can kill the soul. There, there's something much worse than just getting really, really, really sick. Yeah. Uh, or better, I love the other verse. He says, perfect love casts out fear. Actually, he is love He's love personified. So faith mm -hmm. in him uh, casts out fear. And then I love the, the verse that Peter says, First mm -hmm. Peter 5, he said, cast your cares, your fears, if you will, upon him because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. So there's always going to be risks in life, and it's always better to face those risks in freedom with mm -hmm. knowledge, mm -hmm. but ultimately by faith, knowing and trusting in the one who really, really loves you no matter what. Yeah, and I think... That also was what Shapiro is concerned about. I mean, don't give away that most basic aspect of living your life in freedom. For when you give yes. those kinds of decisions up to elites and to the government types, you don't get better solutions. You don't. You get the tyranny of people using your fears against you. Yeah. And that's why the end of risk, you know, could be the end of civilization. I mean, I thought that when he made that title, I thought that was an amazing title, but it's it's provocative in one sense, but it's actually telling the truth in another, because the minute we stop living for ourselves, this whole government experiment about us being, uh, you know, self-governing yeah. is over with. Mm -hmm. I think the seeking to live a totally risk-aversive life is the worst way to face the opportunities that life presents to everyone, to each of us. Yeah. I mean, facing risk is a part of the exhilaration of life, I think. And, you know, I like acceleration and 
kind of things like that. So, <laughs> but you know, facing fears truly—it's one of the ways of growing up and growing wise. Facing challenges always involves certain risks, right. and and facing those with wisdom, with courage, and with faith in God who created and redeemed you. I mean, that's the beginning of living life fully and abundantly. Um, we can't let anyone take that freedom to live, that responsibility to live away from us. Nothing good can come from that. Yeah. So with this mandate stuff, then, you know, what should we do? Well, assess the risks for sure. I mean, get the information that you need, you know, get off your bum and go get some information, (laughs) you know, that you need for making the best decision for yourself and for your family. I mean, but make that decision freely. You know, don't give in to the spirit that demands obedience, you know, to dictates from people who are more concerned with control and management of groups and of people rather than what is best for each one of us. Nobody can make that decision for us. Right. And listen, folks, you know, we are, and that's one of the reasons why we fight for your, to be able to make these decisions, to make the right decisions. But we know that this is easier said than done because Mm -hmm. many people are presently risking everything. Everything. uh, do just that. I mean, th- these Navy SEALs, for instance, they could be dishonorably discharged. And so all of their dedication to our country could be wiped out. And their family of... sacrifices of them being away. Exactly. Too. Yeah. And, and, and the nurses, remember, these are people who've been on the front lines of this disease from the beginning, mm-hmm. and they can be fired as if they're like co-conspirators to some kind of crime. And again, with all the knowledge we have about COVID now, Mm-hmm. It's 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 crazy to me that the government feels that it has the right to do so intrusive. this to us. This is not something that should happen in a free country. Mm-mm. No, it shouldn't. So, but you know, but whatever you do, remember that fear, risk, these things are part of life in this world, and dealing with those things in a healthy manner. You know, one that takes responsibility and courageously manages risk by living life to its fullest by faith towards those we love. That's really what life is all about. And, and Marie, even love is a risk. Well, I learned right? that. I learned that whenever I married you, you know, yes, it really is. But <laughs> <laughs> It was an exhilarating risk. Exhilaration. Worth <laughs> yes. Personified. No, but it really is. It's a risk worth taking. It's, it's, and, and life is, is worth the risk. A, a really abundant life is worth the risk. Yeah. And, you know, listen, and for those of you who are dealing with real concerns still about this virus, our prayers are with you. Mm-hmm. You know, get the information you need. Do what is best for you, for your family, for those you love. But do not give in to the shaming, the bullying or the caricaturing of those with whom you might disagree. This COVID stuff isn't worth it. No. Especially now when we know more about the issue, about the trade-offs, about the real risks. Don't give in to the fear. You know, let this be the moment when you see the power of faith to really overcome even those fears. Amen. So remember, there are two kinds of fire in the world. The one that burns and consumes. And the one that burns and empowers. May God's word and God's love burn brightly in you, giving you strength to face any fire. Till next time, little embers, I'm Marie. And I'm Greg. See See you you soon. soon. Through the Fire is a production of Family Vision Media, familyvisionmedia.org.